M. Rossiano. How dare you? And that is correct. I feel attacked and seen all at once. <laughs> and Michael Lucas. I was working for Baz Luhrmann. Oh, I'll just pick that name up. Oh, no, but it, yeah, I was. This is M. Salation. My vagina's dying. She's just going, it's like... <laughs> You're in Emsolation. Hello there. Welcome to Emsolation. My name is M. Rossiano, and I'm a writer, singer, a stand up comedian, a mother of three, a wife of one, a maximalist power queen, and I'll be your spiritual guide over the next 45 or so minutes. Joining me shortly will be my best friend since I was 11, screenwriter, and my emotional support person, Mr. Michael Lucas, also my best friend. And together, we discuss the stuff that we've kind of loved during the week. And it could be anything from, well, this week we talk about the Olympics. I just want to declare my intention to run and compete in the Brisbane Games, which are in 2032, I think. I fully intend. I've just got to find a sport and I will be there. Just want you to know, just mark this down in your calendar. <laughs> I've also appointed myself, anointed myself first captain, first officer. God, so many bodies that have been worked very hard on. We're going to be talking about Benefer, of course. J-Lo and Ben Affleck went Insta-official this weekend at her 52nd birthday. We're obsessed. And we do need to touch on, obviously, what's going on with Sydney and Melbourne at the moment, the vaccine wars, the pettiness, the bitchiness between the premiers. Dan v. Gladys, it's getting really narky and it's making Michael and I very uncomfortable. I just want to say hello to all... Our New South Wales friends and pals, we're thinking of you. We hope you're okay. It's a shitty time and just know that we know. And hear the wind? It's very windy here right now. The mic's picking up everything. I've had an interesting week on the socials. I posted my dismay at the lockdown protests and I still, and I stand by it, I think it was very selfish of those people to, during a lockdown and during a really stressful time in Sydney, especially with the Delta variant, thinking that, you know, that that, that would make a difference. Going out, not wearing masks, not social distancing, protesting lockdowns. No one wants to be in lockdown. No one wants their businesses to shut down. No one wants this. The government aren't doing this to you. Coronavirus isn't being done to you by someone. It's an airborne virus that is happening that protesting will do fuck all to get rid of it. So, yeah, I'm, I felt it was really selfish. I really did. And, oh, I copped it. Anytime I mention vaccines or protests or lockdowns, you know, people really come for me. They get really upset. You know, I got people saying, I hope you die of COVID, you're uneducated, how dare you? And I, I always get, I'm really disappointed in you, Em. First of all, how condescending. Honestly, and secondly, what makes you think I care? I don't care, I don't know you. You can be disappointed in me all you want. You're not my mum. Whew, that one's mature. The thing that always surprises me, though, is I wonder if the people that disagree with me, so I'll say something online or in the podcast and it will... Most of you, I mean, I know a lot of you would hear the stuff I say and you went, no, I don't agree, but that's cool. I still like her. You know, I know the vast majority of grown-ass people can accept when someone has a different opinion to theirs and they just move on. But there's a small percentage of people that are mortally wounded and they come and they threaten me with all sorts of things. And I wonder if they do that in their real life. Like if someone says, oh, Sandra, no, I disagree with you. I think that Madonna's best album was Blonde Ambition and I don't think she got any better from there. And then I wonder if like Sandra's like, oh my God, you should die. Like, I wonder if they respond with that much, like, force in real life or that they just save it for online. I just want to remind you that if you disagree with me on stuff, that's cool, man. That's great. That's how we move forward as a society. We, we, we 
bash things out. We talk about it. We, we figure out what's going on. We figure out ways to move forward. And I just want to warn you that I do talk about vaccination in this episode. I am pro-vaccination. I deeply believe in science and medicine. I do not think the coronavirus and vaccination is a mass government conspiracy. And I, I just don't. And, you know, there, there is a great precedence on vaccines. We don't have polio anymore. Vaccines work. And if you're someone who's on the fence about it, and if you're an anti-vaxxer, I'm not going to try and change your mind. But if you are someone on the fence, if you're someone who's a bit unsure, I would happily have a conversation with you about it. And Michael and I do talk about it quite a lot in this. And again, you know, if you disagree with the vaccine or you don't want to get it, that's your thing. My thing is that I do believe in it and I think people should get it. But if you disagree with me, again, that's cool. Don't feel the need to like threaten me or come for me. You just like file that away. Things Em and I don't agree on. And that's okay. We move on. We move forward. All right. That's all I want to say. I am sitting here in a wig and a crown. Michael and I sort of touch on that. And I got out of the shower and I just felt like I wanted to tizz up a bit. So I saw my wig. It's just sitting. I've got a collection of wigs in my wardrobe. I just popped on a blue one with a tiara. A tiara and a hoodie. Is there any more of a lockdown uniform than a tiara and a hoodie? I think not. <laughs> All right, everyone, thanks for being here. Hope you're all keeping safe and well and looking after, you know, your own mental health. Everyone's taken a big hit mental health-wise already. What are we? What is it? July something, 20-something. God. All right, gang, I'm going to go because I'm rambling. Play the music. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. I now welcome in my fellow Olympic <laughs> passionato aficionado. I've only had two sips of wine. Honestly, Michael Lucas. The first sentence really went off the rails. It sounded distinguished when you began. It said, I now welcome in, and then, then it fell apart. I know. I know. I've been listening to a lot of sport commentators. I've been I've been consumed by the Olympics. And let me tell you why. Because as everyone knows, I once upon a time thought I was going to be an Olympic athlete. I was in the Sydney Olympics development squad at the age of 13. I qualified for the World Juniors. Olympics, 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 it was then everything. I really wanted an Olympic rings tattoo when I was like 10. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Mm. And so... I'll have to tell you and confess that when it was announced that Brisbane won the 2032 Games, I immediately Googled who is the oldest athlete at the Tokyo Olympics. And I can tell you that there is a 60-year-old equestrian rider from Japan. He is there. So, yes, I could technically (laughs) compete. Because I was like, Elio would be too young. Marcello could compete in netball if they're allowed. Unless there's an interpretive art kind of goth witch sport Odie's not aware of or AFL, she's a good footy player. So my only hope really is myself. And I do recall that Gina Davis competed at the Olympics when she was 50 for archery. So... I just want to say that I'm looking at someone in a green wig and a tiara and a hoodie featuring herself on a unicorn talking about her Olympic plans. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah. I'm 21 years What's after the point? initial target. <laughs> Look, What's all your point? to you, it'd be such an inspiring story. 
I'm moved by it already. What's my sport? Announcing the, the fact that you're going to the Olympics in 20 years is wonderful, but then to back it up with what's my sport is probably not a, that doesn't inspire <laughs> much confidence. I think maybe, yeah, I'm going to say it's not going to be sprinting. I'm going to tell you that much. It's not going to be hurdles. No, I've given that away. Yeah. If one of those, mm-hmm. like, PlayStation dance games becomes an Olympic sport, I, I've seen you do that, and you are relentless. Yeah. I mean, what about skateboarding? How hard is that? Mm, they're really young, though, aren't they? They're really young. They're, like, they're oh my the God. youngest ones there. Yeah, there's, like, isn't there, like, a 12-year-old? There's a 12-year-old playing ping pong. Elio could be in with a chance. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I'm obsessed with it. I love watching it. Even though it was extremely contentious that it was even happening, only 20% of the Japanese people. I know. Look what it's... I, I just want to recall that last episode... M. Rossiano did declare, why are the Olympics going ahead? This episode, very different tune. A week of lockdown can do a lot for a person, can't it? I have stated numerous times, I reserve the right to flip-flop, flip-flop, flippity-flop, a flippity-flippity-flop on any topic I care to. I reserve the right to be a hypocrite. I reserve the right to have my mind changed and then changed again. Okay? Okay. All right. Sorry. I will never... You've essentially created a pledge that means you can't be questioned on any front. Um, but I do... I've had the thing of watching the opening ceremony and feeling a bit weird about it because there was no crowd and it was... They decided that they needed to acknowledge the pandemic, so it was sort of had a very sombre atmosphere and I was just feeling... I did then watching it feel like, is this just all a terrible mistake? But then once the athletes come in, it's really hard not yeah. to enjoy it. And when you see people pull off an amazing victory and they show the coaches and everything like that, it's just, you do get swept up in it. So good. I've cried. And the thing with the opening ceremony was, like, it's pretty hard to top London when the Spice Girls are zooming in on, like, trucks with stairs and one deer performing. Like, it was nuts. So it's hard to top that. And that's what we're all thinking about. Oh, wait, was Rio in between there? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. That, we, we have had Rio in between. Yeah, no, I, I have been loving this Olympics. And, and because, yeah, we have been in Lockie D. But for me, I mean, obviously, I've nominated myself as Thirst Officer. So there's a lot of attractive athletes rolling around that need me and everyone else via me to perv on them. You know, it's kind of my duty as thirst officer. And I have to say, there are just, I don't know why this is the Olympics that I'm most thirsty. Like maybe it's lockdown, the pandemic. I don't know. I'm needing new things, new stimulus, but I'm just, I'm acutely aware of all the insanely hot bods. And I want more. And I've been waiting for the BuzzFeed list or the pedestrian or the junkie list of the thirstiest, hottest athletes at these games. No one's made that list for me. I think you're going to have to write it. Oh, there's a there's a there's a window there's an opening for you. <laughs> so rude. I love that you've placed yourself in this in this role, and it does really suit you. I do remember when I was a little kid. At a certain point, mm. I realised that the mums and everyone like that, when we were watching AFL footy, I remember the realisation that they're watching it because they're perving on all these young men. It was a real revelation to me because I always did wonder why is my aunt so into this. And at a certain point, light bulb moment, maybe something does happen when one hits you know the 40s that all of a sudden you just feel more comfortable with watching sport in a purely objectification totally sort of yeah mindset oh and, and I will objectify and I sit there with my daughters 
and we objectify together. Two generations of objectification. If we get my mum involved, it'll be three. They have worked so hard to bring you those physiques. And you know that of all people. Thank you. (laughs) We are but an audience appreciating a physical art form. We clap your rock hard biceps. We want to bounce a coin off your peach high gluteus maximuses. I love your calf muscles. I want to touch your hamstrings. I appreciate all those hours in the gym, all the sacrifice, all time away from family. I see you and your rock hard bodies, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Don't ignore the sacrifice, Australia. But the thing, I mean, there's been a lot of things happen. I mean, my most favourite thing happened in the swimming. Kaylee. Yes. Kaylee McKellen. She won the women's 100 metres backstroke. Her father passed away from brain cancer last August. And she said, you know, if because the Olympics was obviously supposed to happen last year. And she said, you know, if COVID hadn't happened in the lockdown, she wouldn't have been able to compete because she would have been with her dad. Oh. And so last year she was able to spend all this quality time with her dad. She trained, she moved home. And he always said he wanted to see, because her sister competed in the Olympics also in Rio. Mm. She didn't qualify at this time. He just wanted to see both his girls swim in the Olympics and he, he missed seeing her. But she won today and, you know, her, she's got tattered on her foot, always with me for her father. And they said to her, she's in front of the camera, and they said to Kaylee, you're an Olympic gold medalist. What do you want to say to your family at home? And she just went, fuck yeah. Oh, shit. And it was... The greatest, most Australian, wonderful celebration of an Olympic gold. And if anyone comes for young Kaylee, I'll fight them. (laughs) Physically, if needs be. Physically, 100%. I know, the the Olympics are so good for those inspo moments. And the marketing begins so far in advance and all the marketing saying you're going to be so inspired and you start to get a bit repelled by it. But then it starts and it's fucking true. You really do. Oh, mate. Fucking oath. I'm going to go. Like, if pools were open, I'd go do some laps. I would. I'd go chuck some laps in. Did I tell you about the time where I thought that I was swimming of a pace with Ian Thorpe at one point? Because it was around Sydney 2000. I was all obsessed with it. It was in the lead up to it, actually. And I just wondered, like, 1,500 metres, how fast could I go? And I counted up and I timed it all and everything like that. And so I went to Eltham Leisure Centre. And so I counted how many laps I had to do and I swam it like crazy. And I was like fully, I stopped and I was on the pace. And I looked at the clock and I was like, oh my God, like I'm not that far off the Olympic pace. And um, I was really electrified thinking, what happens? Do I ring, do I ring the Australian Institute of Sport? Like, what do I do? Do I just declare, do I, what is it to, what's going to happen? Is it like, excuse me, I have a swim time to report. Is that what you're going to do? Is that what you're doing? Like, like triple zero for sport? And then I realised I was in a 25 metre pool. And so I'd actually, I, I was, was just going to say pace. that. Yep. But I really, I, I went a solid five minutes in the reality of I am with no training, one of the fastest swimmers in the world. And it was an amazing place. I remember looking at the other people in the other lanes thinking, they don't know what's happened. Like history has happened in my lane. Anyway, it was the sporting peak of my life. Oh, my God. Look, anyone who lives around or near Eltham knows that pool is 25 metres. So I let you tell your story yeah. without interjecting. But it is very famously 25 metres. 
That's so funny. It was still a good moment. I'm still glad it happened. I got to taste what it's like to know you're a world champion. Right. It's exactly the same. I just really love the idea. I wish you hadn't called someone the Institute of Sport. Excuse me. Please remain calm, but I just want to alert you to the fact that I can swim as fast as Ian thought. I'm the greatest. I'm certainly the greatest living swimmer. I might be the greatest swimmer in history. And as Australians, we love the first week of the Olympics because we dominate the swimming. Track and field, we're rubbish at. Totally rubbish at. There's a few, yeah, maybes, but it's the swimming. It's the swimming. It's the hockey. It's the kayaking. We're up, we're up, we're up. And also, Ariane Titmus, she won the women's 100 metres freestyle and her coach, Dean Boxall, is in a bit of hot water in America because he dry humped a Perspex railing in celebration of his, he coaches her and he was so pumped. He was like, and like, he didn't know he was being filmed. And Marcella and I were watching and going, that's so funny. And Americans have watched it. And what Americans don't realize is that Australians dry hump things in celebration. Celebratory dry humping is an Australian <laughs> rite of passage. And I didn't realize Americans don't do this until they're like, oh, it's disgusting. He's taking away from her moment. And all of us in Australia are like, you fucking what? What? No, he's not. <laughs> so there's been this whole uproar about it. And I just want to say I am I am team Dean Boxall. Maybe we can use the opening ceremony of the Brisbane Olympics to try and like express this part of our culture to the world yes. and see if it Oh my god. Up. If we just get a formation. We can have about <laughs> push it. Put push it real and just have everyone walking out just dry humping inanimate objects. Like, yeah. This is a thing. <laughs> I feel sorry for Americans, but I, yeah, I just wanted to say all the conjecture going around about that. I think also an American finished second, so boo fucking who. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Suck shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a good sport. Anyway, I'm loving the Olympics. Totally loving it. When the track and field starts, I won't be held responsible. I just want to say... I still can't watch a hurdles race without twitching the whole way through. I know. All right, moving on to another. Should we just sandwich like all the shitty vaccination stuff and in between this and JLo? Yeah. Yeah, go. Well, Melbourne is emerging out of lockdown. We went fast, we went hard. We're coming out. Mm. Sydney. Situation's a little bit different. Oh, God, Sydney. Oh, Sydney, we're sorry. We, we are. It's. It's just awful. And we of all people mm. from Melbourne know mm. that, but also the fact that the numbers are going up, the fact that the protests are already so intense, mm. it just, oh, it feels like, I felt like we started coming down the curve pretty early in our hard lockdown. Like it did go up a little bit and then it, and then the incline started and was encouraging and was fast and we all held on to it. To have it still keep going up and up and up and up and up. And then also... I feel like, are we about to have a civil war? Like, what's, what's happening? So the, the New South Wales government called for um, the rest of the states to donate vaccines mm-hmm. to the most affected areas of Sydney, and the rest of the states said, capital N-O. No. And I think we've had very different reactions to this, and I feel like I'm going to express my reaction. All right, well, well, before we do that, I just do want to acknowledge, I've had a lot of New South Wales, a lot of Sydney siders contact me, and I the general feeling I'm getting is that the majority of people are doing the right thing and they're extremely frustrated by the minority that are getting all the press. And I think a lot of people from New South Wales are feeling tarred by that brush of, oh, well, Sydney doesn't care. They deserve it. They're not locking down properly. And a lot of people are like, no, 
We are looking down properly. There's just 2,000 people having effectively a tantrum and yelling at the wind because you can't protest an airborne virus. COVID's not going to go, oh, fuck, they're pissed off in, in Sydney. I'm going to get out of here. All right, guys, let's go. That's not how it works. So I just want to acknowledge all our New South Wales listeners. We know that all of you pretty much who listen to this show from New South Wales would definitely be doing the right thing. I just, I feel it in my bones. So, yes. All right. Also, I want to acknowledge, I've had a, in my conversations with Sydney people, there is this sense of, oh, Melbourne must be feeling really smug right now. No. And I genuinely don't think, it's so easy to just hear a couple of really loud voice commentators and think that they speak for the whole city. But by and large, I felt like in Melbourne, the announcement of coming out of lockdown felt really odd at the moment, knowing Same. that another state that our, you know, our neighbours were in such a dire situation. Like, it was impossible to take joy from it. It's kind of like both your arms have been tied up and one's been freed. That's how I feel. Yeah. Because my management, half of my touring company, like, (laughs) a lot of my friends are in New South Wales. I am very, both of us are very bi-coastal with Sydney because a lot of our work is there, a lot of our business is there. Or my in-laws. Yeah, you're Adrian's mum. <laughs> I just don't want anyone, mm. there's no smugness from anyone that I know in Melbourne at all. Like, just not at all. But in terms of sharing vaccine, okay, all right, you don't know my opinion on this. I don't. I think we should. I think we should share the vaccines. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, right. Okay, so my position on it was, and I totally get that from, like, if you're a state government, there's nothing in it for a state premier to give up vaccines. I mean, that's a guaranteed vote loser for them. I I, I sort of understand why politically they have to do it. But part of me just feels like if people in Victoria have, I think all bookings Mm. should be honoured. Like, I don't feel like we should start cancelling bookings, but any possible excess or anything like that that we can ship on, I just keep thinking about if I was a 30-something essential worker in southwest Sydney, I would be terrified to go to work at the moment and it would be so frustrating not to be able to get a vaccine and some might say, oh, but they could have locked down earlier. It doesn't even matter now. Like, you're in way more danger there and and having watched that poor 30-something woman who died this week... But did you read she tried to get vaccinated multiple times and couldn't? Oh, God. Like, before she got sick? And she's died. I mean, their lives are on the line. And 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 I, there was a quote about, um, you know, we won't give vaccines so Sydney can open the pubs. It's not about that. It's about we give vaccines so that people aren't putting their lives on the line. I just think at some point things have to rise above politics, you know, and we have to remember our humanity. And... Yes, everyone who's booked in in Victoria. And not all the vaccines, obviously. We no. need to continue with our program because we are in the, mm. we've had an outbreak and, and we need to keep making sure we're striving towards as much as possible. But, but um, it just felt like a bleak time. And, and, and that's the difference between like 2020, you know, the pandemic was awful, obviously, but there was a sense yeah. of national unity that swept together. And I'm, I am finding it rough that that has yeah. really died. Like there isn't the same sense of a national cabinet all pulling together and everyone yeah. cheering each other on. It feels like we're in a new phase and it's depressing. I don't have any patience for Dan's pot shots either. I've got to say it. I mean, I don't have any patience for Gladys's pot shots, but if they think they're being clever or they're representing us and all of us are going, yeah, I'm not. My patience with the pot shots is long past. 
and I just want Dan to govern us to assist New South Wales because if they grind to a halt, you know, Victoria suffers, everyone suffers. Oh, yeah. A lot of industries in Sydney and I want Gladys to stop. It'll leak in here for sure. Yeah, 100%. The time has come. And where the fuck is ScoMo? Where is he? What, what's happened? Has this man been probed by aliens and abducted? Has anyone checked with Jenny if she's seen Scott? Well, he did do his apology, his version of an apology. I just realised the Prime Minister has the same name as my husband. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's one of the very few things they have in common, thankfully. <laughs> oh I'm going to come out and say their marriages, I feel, are quite different. <laughs> I feel there's a different dynamic. Yeah, he consults his wife and listens to her. Having said that, though, I do feel Scott would consult you to get a sense of a sense of how angry would this make people. I think I sense that you would you would be able to supply that role. Yeah, maybe. I just think the prime minister should be holding a national press conference and saying to all the leaders, "Let's pull our supplies together. Let's let's see what we can do." Hmm. But he's just been totally absent. He's not like flying to the Olympics or something. Is he? he's not on a plane? He's not going to pop up in Tokyo. No. Is he? Is he going to pop up in Tokyo? No, 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 no. God, he, I mean, look, I think even he would know (laughs) that that would be an absolute PR disaster. I mean, he is prone to making the PR disasters, but I just feel like he knows that until the vaccine rollout is at speed, he's just going to be hammered every time he speaks. So he's trying to minimise it. He did a, he did a sort of version of an apology and he's just, he is attempting to minimise his exposure to the press, I guess. I guess. And look, I want to wrap this up because I'm sick of talking about it. But what I do want to say to anyone listening who's maybe on the fence, we're not going to try and change the mind of anti-vaxxers. That's just not, it's not worth it. There's there's some hills you can't die on. But if you're someone who's listening to us right now and you're on the fence about the vaccine, I just want to let you know a couple of things. And this is what I said to my father, who was very nervous about getting the vaccine. And he's a 70-year-old Italian man who gets his news from YouTube. And that's all you need to know about Vinci. And he was pretty convinced that he just needed to wait for the cure, that it was coming. And this is what YouTube told him. And I just said to him, his main concern was that, oh, it's too fast. It's too fast. It's used for vaccines and I don't trust it. It must be experimental. And I said, no, the, the COVID-19 vaccines went through the same safety checks that every vaccine goes through. They just sped up the administrative and the funding process. So there is no way a big farmer will put their name to something that could possibly lose them money. Let's see what's happened to AstraZeneca. They just wouldn't do it. So I don't know if I can reassure anyone. And I don't know if it reassures you that I made the most beloved person in my life, my father, Vincey, I physically drove him to get both the vaccines, to get his one and two Pfizer. I would not do that if I didn't believe in it and believe in the science and believe in vaccines. And I just want to remind you that getting a vaccine not only protects you, but it also lessens the likelihood that you'll pass it on to someone who it will affect, someone who's vulnerable, someone mm. who's compromised, someone who's elderly. It's something that you're not just doing to protect yourself. It's, it's for the greater good of the community. And the single most effective public health measure, the biggest triumph in science and medicine is the global vaccination program you know, polio, measles, these things are gone because of vaccination. So if you are on the fence, I implore you to go and speak to maybe your doctor or if you know any scientists, but don't believe the things you read on the internet. I know I'm only a podcast host and a comedian, but I have, I do talk to scientists and I do talk to epidemiologists and I do talk to doctors and I'm friends with a few doctors and they are all like, get it, get the vaccine. So hopefully that helps some of you listening make a decision but again of course 
it's your choice in the end. I'm super nervous about all that, Michael. All the Anivaxes are going to come for me. <laughs> <laughs> They're already coming for you. Oh, it's true. Okay, we're going to go away now. We're going to gather. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about our favourite topic, Benefar. This is Emsolation. It's time. We've waited 23 minutes to hit the topic that is our specialist topic now on this podcast, and that is the rebirth, the rebranding, the resurgence of Benefar. Gingerman, whichever way you like it, 2.0, J-Lo and Ben Affleck. J-Lo mm. 1052 over the weekend. She did it in fucking style. Oh, didn't she ever. Yeah. I just want to note, both her and A-Rod were on yachts over the weekend, and her yacht was... Double the price. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and J-Lo posted her, f- she went instant official yeah. with Ben. Yeah. And she did it in a playful, classy way. So basically it was her 52nd birthday post. So yeah. it was her posing, I mean, obviously oh looking God. absolutely like oh ridiculously amazing. Like you can't it even. It was a side ab. It was a side ab. Wasn't it side apps? Mm. She looked like an Olympic athlete. And it was a selection of photos of her on the yacht posing. And then finally, when you flip to the last one, there was her pashing Ben. Like, here we are. Little treat at the end of it. And you know what? I've I've obviously been sort of, you know, tracking it and kind of enjoying it. But I felt like <laughs> J-Lo's 52nd birthday was when I made my emotional investment in Benefit 2.0. <laughs> Really, maybe because it's such a dark time for our country. Mm. I was like, I need something to believe in, and God, I don't feel that safe doing this. But I'm going to place my hope and faith in Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck, seeing it through. Yeah, I'm the same. I think we all are. I think the two of them represent hope for so many reasons. Because (laughs) let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Well, first of all, I just want to talk about. Like, the rebranding of Ben Affleck from, like, because 2015 to 2020 were the messy Affleck years. Never forget, cross ourselves, toy toy, the messy, sad Affleck was overweight, smoking with the mask just under his nose, like, not really covering it, not caring if he got sick or not. Mm -hmm. In the backseat of his ex-wife's car, getting an In-N-Out burger. Totally handing the takeaway. Oh, that's an iconic shot. The messy Affleck years were bad. And then all of a sudden, like, the giant phoenix tattooed upon his back. Yeah. Ben Affleck has risen from the ashes. And it just gives you hope. Here's why. Here's why it's so hopeful. It's like all the bad things that have happened since they split up. When did they split up? Like 2012? No, much earlier than that. When was it? How do we not know this? 2002. 2002. They split up in 2002 because it's been 20 years. Yeah, it's almost 20 years. Yep, yep, yep. So basically it's like we can pretend that all the shit stuff that's happened in the last 20 years didn't really happen. That's right. Didn't really happen. Not Trump. Nothing. Didn't happen. Nothing bad happened. And also it gives you hope that, you know what? I'm going to hit my peak in my 50s. I'm going to get hot. I'm going to get side abs. I'm going to, like, rekindle my love affair with my high school boyfriend. Oh, 100%. Not me. But, like, it just gives you this idea that the best is yet to come because they are both in their early 50s, late 40s, and arguably hitting their career sexual physical peaks. And as a 42-year-old mother of three whose arms are wobbling as she aggressively points to the corner... It's aspirational, like the yeah. Olympics. I know. He better not screw this up for us. And we all know it'll be him. 
And it's and is he putting in effort? He looks fantastic. He looks trim. He looks like he's being very, very attentive. But I I hope he knows that this planet is fragile right now. There's a lot of people who have been through a lot of pain, and he has given them yeah. something to believe in. I agree. And he needs to see it through. I need them now on. I need them to lock in basically a Barbara Streisand, James Brolin vibe. Because you know how they got together when she was in her 50s and started doing, and basically it was like just cashmere sweaters and soft focus interviews and and little beautiful dogs and wandering around Malibu for the rest of their lives. Just nothing but love. That's what I need from Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez, only they can do it on a yacht. (laughs) Speaking of. There's a conspiracy theory going around. Did you start it? No, Busy Phillips actually started it on her podcast. So I'm I'm ripping this from Busy Phillips. A lady came on the podcast and said, it is almost 20 years to the date since Jenny from the Block came out, that video clip, where famously he's kissing her bottom on a yacht. Isn't he just rubbing it? I thought he was sort of fondling it, rubbing it. Doesn't he do a bit of both? He's He's got his face... He's sort of like lying close to it. Yeah, I think he's resting his cheek. Yeah, cheek on cheek, if you will. She said, it's 20 years, was this, a tip of the cap, a salut, a cheers to that film clip. Did they set this whole thing up? For us. And I oh, say when when he's yes. in the pap shot where he's doing it, I'm saying yes. yes. And I'm I'm gonna say with those two, it doesn't mean that their love isn't real. It just means that they understand their responsibilities to the universe and they're delivering. <laughs> and they've put us through a lot. <laughs> yeah, they have. Cause you sent me a picture of her wearing a necklace with his initials. No, his name, B-E-N, tied. I mean, yeah, look, standard behaviour from a 52-year-old woman? Maybe not. But, again, I'm on board. I, I feel like <laughs> it's, it's them understanding their role. They've got a role to play. And the world needs glamorous celebrities having faintly ridiculous love stories that we know yes. will never happen to us, but we still want to look at pictures of them. Oh, they get it. Mate. They're serving it back. Yes. I mean, I feel like there needs to be a meeting. The PR department may be going a bit hard. Like, we're in. We're convinced. Mm -hmm. Just maybe pull back a little bit on the PDAs, just a teensy bit. Because no one's working harder than than J-Lo and Ben Affleck to convince us that they're in love. Like, they are are full-time on that at the moment. They can't do the primetime, I'm going to say Oprah special. They need to just give us another two months of this. And then, but then when that comes, oh, oh my God. I mean, that'll be, I mean, come around to your house, obviously, as long as we're not in lockdown, we probably will be. But if we, if we, like, I mean, I'm ready. I just want to hear who texted who first. I want, I, and they'll give it. I think they'll give you every detail. Oh my God. I just want the wedding. I'm just so ready. Like, I feel like there's going to be a wedding in 2022. The magical unicorn of death is finally predicting something happy. There's going to be a benefit wedding next year. And I don't know if you and I are somehow able to be correspondents. Fuck royal watching. I want to be a benefit watcher because I have read 20 think pieces today on this relationship. It has become an art. It's, it's an art. People will be studying this at university. I'm not joking. It should be televised, that wedding. And, and there are precedents outside royal weddings. Celine Dion. She, her wedding to Renee was televised and it was extraordinary. She had what can only be described as some, a chandelier on her head. I don't even know how. She it looked like it must have been immensely stunning. painful. But she did it for the public. And her love was yeah, real too. she did. <laughs> how dare you? She's never remarried. 
She hangs out with this impossibly hot gay guy all the time. Mm. Like, I'm so happy for them. It's wonderful. And I went and looked at through all of A-Rod's pictures to see how he's handling it. And he's, like, putting up a lot of shots with him on wholesome daddy-daughter dates with his two daughters. Oh, that's, that's so smart he's gone route. Yeah. yeah. I would honestly, if they announced that they were getting married actually as the Super Bowl halftime show, I would accept that too. <laughs> Except I want it longer. That would be amazing. That would be so good. We just do away with the Super Bowl. We just have the show. I <laughs> am desperately hoping there's a movie in the works. That's the only thing that would be better than a wedding would be like Jiggly 2. <laughs> One would say that weirdly the movies they have made have been a weak point, as so often is the case when celebrity couples make movies where they play on-screen couples. It's 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 rare that that one works. Tom and Nicole never really got it together. Mm. Kim Basinger and Alec Baldwin. I mean, it's just it's a fraught it's a fraught landscape. It's still exciting. Joe, actually, no. Emily Blunt and John Krasinski have broken it, but they weren't doing a romance though. They were doing a horror. It's a bit different. No, wasn't he like trying to kill her or something in those movies? A quiet place. No, they were married and he was trying to stop her from being killed by avenging horrible aliens. Anyway. I don't watch horror movies. You know that. They're not, mm. It's not a genre I'm interested in in any way. That and westerns. No, thank you, please. <laughs> All right, well, uh, <laughs> well, we'll obviously watch this space. You know, we're very happy for them. Boston and Bronx represent. I just want to leave you on some stunning lyrics. I don't know if you remember that she wrote about him. Mm. And it was on the Journey from the Block album. I can't remember the song, but the, the lyrics were, I love you, you're perfect, a manifesto of my dreams. You will always be my lust, my love, my man, my child. Oh. My friend and my king. So. <laughs> oh, wow. She is a poet. <laughs> Not since Lennon McCartney. <laughs> she knows how to be a celebrity. And you know what? It's, I feel like Elizabeth Taylor did before and she's inherited the mantle and I just want to recognise as an art form. The person who knows how to do it, she just nails yeah. it. <laughs> and please respect Jayla who's been engaged five times, okay? Exactly. Five times. She has been so irresistible and beguiling and powerful and amazing that five men have felt like they could maybe hold her down. They can't. They cannot. Mm. So... Here we go. Maybe six. Number six is a charm. Yes. I've done a lot of clicking today. A lot of clicking. We haven't mentioned once that I'm in a wig and a crown, have we? I did. I said I said at the start, I just want to paint the picture that this woman declaring herself to go to the Olympics is wearing. Oh, yeah. I'm in my wig and my crown. It actually looks really good. Yeah, I love it. Scott walked in with my crown, with my crown, with my wine before, and he said, why? And then he stopped and he said, I'm not even, I'm sorry, I asked. He should know better. I said, why not? I just saw the wig. I got mm. out of the shower. I put my hoodie on and I felt I needed a bit of dizzing up. So I popped on a blue wig and a, and a tiara, as you do. Mm. All right, Chaz, I'll uh, talk to you later. Yes. Got to go watch some more Olympics. <laughs> got to go and oh. pick my event. Darts. Got to go watch some darts. Just write your BuzzFeed article. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. This is Emsolation. All right, that's it. Thank you so much for being here, my darlings. We hope you got something out of that. Again, you know, the vaccine stuff, I'm going to leave in. I'm not editing it out, but just take a big, deep breath. If you don't agree with me, it's cool. Cool, 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 okay? 
Hey, just wanted to let you all know we are going to be getting more sizes in the hoodies. They have gone off, quite frankly. I'm sitting here in mine now. They're so cosy, so comfy. Did you see my mum bought one? She's so cute. She took a little boomer selfie. <laughs> it's in the Emsolation Facebook group, which you should totally go and join. It's a wonderful community in there. I love it. And make sure you're following us on Instagram at Emsolation Podcast. And don't forget to get tickets to come and see us record Emsolation Live at the Great Australian Podcast Festival in November. Tickets through LiveNation.com. Why wouldn't you come see Chella, Michael, myself, Giggling Ben? They'll we'll all be there. Vincey will probably pop in. I'll probably do a song. It's at the Palais. And you get to see your favourite podcast done live. How good! can't wait to see you there actually and I hope you'll all be wearing merch actually that reminds me we should probably sell some merch there shouldn't we all right gang thanks for your support as always go off and have a wonderful day whatever you're up to maybe listen to this at night I don't know I mean I can't think I've really lost all capacity to think oh my god I've been trying so hard not to go on any mental side quest but this tiara I'm wearing is digging into my brain I'm so sweaty in my weave oh my goodness oh what have I been watching let me think Drag Race Española has been amazing. That just wrapped up. It's been on Stan. Real Housewives of Beverly Hills has been intense, y'all. Like, if you watch The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, do you think Erica Jane knew? Like, did she know? And you'll only get that if you watch The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, obviously. Okay, have I said everything I'm going to say? I'm feeling a bit weird about it. What am I? What else? What else? I feel like there's things I need to say to you like and I always waste this opportunity because I'm sitting right in your earlobe and I've got you here in my hand and what do I want to say to you come to the podcast festival wanted to remind you about merch follow us on all the things that's it that's all I gotta tell you okay I'm done bye darlings talk soon Emsolation with M. Rossiano is a Spotify exclusive podcast Hosted by M. Rossiano with Michael Lucas. Executive produced by Benjamin Wosley. Produced by M. Rossiano. Edited by Mark Davila. With videos by Liam O'Brien. Socials by Marcella Rossiano Barrow. With assistance from Jim Evans and Georgia Watts. And occasional technical trickery and wizardry from M's dad, Vinci. Get more from M. Salation with M. Rossiano by following M. Salation Podcast on Instagram. You can also join our secret club by joining our Facebook group at Emsolation and make sure you're following us on the Spotify app. We of course hope you enjoyed this week's episode and we'll chat with you again soon.